0: Drink it in, man. Touchdown, Detroit
1: Lions. Cornbread. <laughs> Drink it in, man.
0: Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, what is going on? We are back. And we are here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, and
1: I got Grifka here. Grifka, what up? Oh, man, I'm just still basking in the glow of the big win on Sunday, yo. Hoping it carries over to Big D this weekend.
0: Grifka, when I say, Grifka, what up? You were supposed to say, I'm stoked. Remember, (laughs) that's like one of your gimmicks. Grifka, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, hey, I'm stoked. All right, well, today on the kool cast, we got so much to talk about. Grifka, news, notes, roster moves, Lions talk. What the heck is going on out there?
1: Let's see. Um, let's see. A couple things I noticed, uh, you know, from this week. I uh, just wanted to get your take on it because there was a couple things we had talked about earlier. Um, I know the Lions made a trade earlier as opposed to cutting the guy that offensive tackle. Was it Corey Robinson? Because I know at one point we had talked about him being the backup, and then when it came to final cutdown day, they made a deal with the Panthers. And it was one of those things where, uh, you know, if the Panthers kept him for X amount of games, the Lions would get, what, like a seventh-round draft pick? Well, I noticed earlier this week that after the Panthers made that trade with Buffalo, that they ended up cutting Robbins, so, so uh, Lions don't get an extra draft pick. Um, how, how, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. I feel like I thought before Corey Robinson
0: is terrible. I can't believe anybody traded for him and seventh rounder, no seventh rounder. It doesn't make a difference. I'm just glad we've got Crosby as our swing tackle and a few other players now. Corey Robinson, good luck at the McDonalds because you were always garbage and at least now we don't have to have you get our quarterback killed. That's what I think.
1: Wow. That's it's pretty hard on Corey Robinson there, man. I mean uh because he's terrible. I mean, don't get me wrong, it would have been nice to have another seventh round pick that we could have ended up cutting either, you know, in the preseason or, you know, next year. But uh yeah, I mean, he's terrible. Yeah, hey, I, next okay. question. Okay, another thing was uh <laughs> I know early in the preseason after the draft you were uh you were pretty high on Donald Pumphrey and when uh, when the Eagles took him and then uh, the Lions ultimately signed him to the practice squad. I uh, noticed earlier that uh, the Lions actually cut him today in lieu of uh, tight end Jerome Cunningham. You know uh, the, that may have something to do with like the knee injury, you know, or the knee thing that uh, Mike Robinson, uh, Mike Roberts has right now. So your boy Pumphrey, Humphrey's back out on the street, man. You know, I don't know, man. He obviously <sighs> didn't pan out like what you know you were hoping.
0: I hate this move, Griffka, and I wasn't even really aware of it till you brought it up here because I thought they were gonna keep Pumphrey on the practice squad all year, you know, maybe bring him in late depending on what our schedule or what our record and stuff is. His, his former lead blocker, Nick Bodden is here, but he's hurt. So I thought they would just like, get him some late run. He could maybe be a future, you know, replacement for Amir. maybe even like a pseudo guy, if he can learn, a little bit more in the pass game if they ever move on from a Theo here down the road. But this guy, I'm telling you, you produced in college. He's a little bit smaller, but I think he has the ability to run the football in the right system. If given the right opportunity, I don't know where, and if he'll catch on, you know, he's went through a couple um, stops now. I mean, at the running back position, you only get so many looks and then people are just kind of down on you or whatever, but I think he's 23 years old, something like that. I think this is a guy they should have held on to and sort of learned to um, what he does well or why he broke the college record in regards to rushing. And, and here's my biggest beef with this move. The lions are always bringing in tight ends and, and what is it like the other position? They always are bringing in and out of practice. It's like tight ends and wide outs or tight ends and corners. And none of them ever pan out to be anything. I mean, we don't need another junk tight end that I've never heard of that's not going to do anything. To me, it's just a total waste, whereas Pumphrey could have been, you're going to move on from some running backs, and he has a different skill set than carry on in some ways. So I
1: i thought there was something there. But
0: obviously Bobby Quinn doesn't agree with me And
1: on the way you go. But, man, that's, that's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too sad to see him go. I know there's plenty of running backs that, like, you know, led whatever in college and then were supposed to be, you know, decent pros and they pretty much fizzled out I mean what Ron Dane Troy Davis even Kevin Smith your boy had a bunch of carries down at Central Florida and he turned out to be the guy you could tackle just by you know taking a you know taking a breath on him and he would go down so uh Pumphrey I mean once again you know good luck to you I know you're gonna be crying in your pillow tonight and when I brought this up and you know but uh you know good luck to you, sir Maybe you'll be back some Tuesday two years from now so and then uh you know we'll see if you get signed at that point
0: Griffka, here's the real quick difference though before we move on
1: is that like I went on on the limb and was like glad they got
0: Pumphrey and I've watched him through the draft process and I think like I saw what I saw in his college film like it's not like this guy's a a bona fide player that. You know, everybody is thinking, oh, he's going to come in and tear up the league. I just thought he was a nice developmental piece that maybe in a year or two could have still been your third, fourth running back with a little bit of juice. So he can't give me too much crap. I mean, these are guys that I'm saying maybe they could be something. I'm not saying he was going to come in and tear up the league.
1: Well, I mean, you could say that about anybody in the draft that they maybe could come in and do something. But hey, that's fine. We can, we can move on from that. I mean, it's no big deal. Yeah,
0: <laughs> get, get, give the people your tagline. You might as
1: well do it. <laughs> you, uh... Is he good? No. Will he ever be good? No. So uh, there. Sorry, it's, it's a little messed up. <laughs> that that was a, that was fine, I
0: guess. <laughs> I and mean, you did nail that one. But with the one I was looking for, was Reasonable minds can differ. (laughs) Let's move on because you can't end every argument with that. And I'm not willing to die on the Hill of Danell Pumphrey, but I thought he could have been something. And I thought, Hey, I'm looking for them to finally put guys on the practice squad that have either produced in college or are at, like more impactful positions than a tight end or a, a no name who cares receiver that we know is only going to be there for two, three weeks before we boot him for some other no name garbage player. I don't understand the NFL practice squad. I, I swear, if I manage a team, I'd have
1: such a different practice squad than these people. Uh, Yeah. I guess maybe maybe that's why we're doing the podcast or we're not sitting in the big office. <laughs> but uh, Okay. Um, maybe that's why they
0: should be doing the podcast and I should be in the big office. Maybe that,
1: chris right. Well, let's put it this way. Yeah, let's move on to a few injuries that could, it could hamper like the, the game this weekend. I saw once again this week that uh, Ziggy's not practicing. He didn't play last week against New England. Um, once again, it seems like that shoulder injury is lingering a little bit. Um, what do you think? uh you think he uh, has a chance playing this weekend, or do you think it's another week where he just rests the shoulder and uh, hopefully comes back later in the year?
0: I don't know, Griska. I mean, they, they don't ever give injury updates. I mean, we seem to hurt it on, like, the third series of the first game, which, you know, I mean, you couldn't have quit on him quicker. I I hang in there with the guy. I see his talent. I remember talking to the Big Hughes back in the day, and he was – He's been ready to move on from Ziggy for forever. And I'm like, hey, these these big, athletic, powerful, defensive ends do not grow on trees unless you have a replacement or unless you can, you know, fill that in the draft. You know, you don't want to just move on from them. So I really hope he can play. I just have no pulse for what this injury is, how long, if it's just nagging, if it's serious. But the sooner we get him back out on the field, the better it will be for the team, I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think the, they need him, and I, I would agree with you. I mean, even Ziggy on the field, you know, 80% is going to be better than any backup they put out there. And uh, like I said, it's like shoulders, hamstrings, you know, Achilles. It's just those injuries that just kind of linger, and they just never seem to get fully healthy until you're able to rest it for an extended period amount of time. But I think for this team to have any, any more success this year, they'll definitely need to see him out on the field, you know, at least trying to try and apply some pressure on those quarterbacks so i would uh i would uh, I would agree with you on that, so um okay, that's all I got for injuries. I mean, do you know of anything else? Do you have any other news or notes that you'd like to touch on before we uh, jump into talking about the cowboys game on Sunday
0: um hm i I mean, I think injuries are always big i I think you're not gonna get much i mean every press conference I've watched from Matt Pat i mean he doesn't talk about the injuries. So I can't get a good pulse on, on people. I mean, I, I was glad to see Slayback last week, but I'm always curious about these concussions. I hope that doesn't creep up anymore. So I think that's something to watch. I do want to hit on one side topic real quick. And that's Matt Pat, the way he starts his press conferences where he berates the media. I absolutely love it. Every day when I watch his daily presser, he comes into the press conference, he looks at these idiot reporters and he goes, how's everybody doing? And they go, Okay. And he goes, Yeah, great. Or he gives him some like sarcastic, annoyed response like, You guys have no energy. You have no good questions. You're already like bringing me down. It's hilarious to watch. And then, so the last couple of pressers, Griff, I'm watching it, and Matt Pat is talking. He's in the middle of an answer, and these buffoons in the media the phone goes off with some annoying ringer, like their favorite tune off Spotify or something. (laughs) And Matt, Matt, Pat could not be more annoyed. He just looks at them. Like, you know, that's, that's absolutely Bush league. Right. And they go, "Oh, I'm sorry. And they're trying to fiddle, you know, when a person like is so stupid, they don't remember to turn off their phone. And then when their phone goes off, like it's like, they forgot how to turn it off. You know how to, Silence in the ringer it takes them like three minutes so the thing's just going off so that's my only side item is matt pat just controlling the press conferences making fun of this the buffoon reporters that we have i mean some of them are good but a lot of these guys i mean they have no energy they're beaten down like mike Griff after one half of a football game where they're already quitting and matt pat comes in every day with some energy and doesn't want to deal with
1: it so that's my news and notes. I love it. It's so funny. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with you with that his press conferences are so much more enjoyable to watch than, you know, the old Jim Caldwell, you know, I got checked the tape or, you know, it's, uh, I got <laughs> checked the tape. I mean, but I don't know, man. I, I still do kind of miss the Rod Marinelli, the pick and the shovel and all his analogies, even though those teams were terrible. I mean, just like his analogies, is like he would just kind of go off on a tangent, and he was just like leading you down like a a trail that that would just stop in the middle of the forest, and you're like, "Huh? What? 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 How did I get here?" And then you're like, "Am I in the press conference?" That was a Rod Marinelli press conference, and then all of a sudden you hear a "Couple more for coach," and then uh, people would be like, "Uh." no and then you know the doors would like open up like a movie theater and like everybody get to leave then like oh okay but uh you're right the oh. matpat oh. the matpat presser is uh, definitely uh something that's great to watch Hold on, i know we have to
0: get to the cowboys but this actually goes with the cowboys since good old captain
1: rod is over on that other
0: sideline remember the greatest thing ever griffco was i think i think they had already fired captain rod And he was fired by the team. And then like the day later or maybe the same day, he came to the media and did like a literally like a 20 minute sit down, like interview. And he was already fired. He was already not the coach. And like, that was one of the most absurd things I had ever seen. And he was still going through his normal spiels. I'm like, Hey idiot, you're fired. You, you didn't get the job done. Like you don't have to meet with the media anymore. Just go away. And uh, you know, he's trying to be the stand-up guy, but I just remember that being so funny. It was like, man, this guy doesn't get it. But yeah, he was terrible. Jim Caldwell, if everybody out there listening, if you want to go to Detroit Kool-Aid, and click on the Jim Caldwell soundboard. I made a whole soundboard of all this just ridiculous things this guy said. Like, every other word was things of that nature. Obviously, every other word, uh, you know, they'd ask him about the uh, other team and he'd come up with some replay response. And it wasn't because he was intelligent. It was because he didn't have anything better to say. So he'd come up with something like, well, every game's different or – hey, uh, you know, we, we're not too worried about the other team. We just got to focus on us. It was like, oh, this guy has no brain in his head. So at least when Matt Patricia talks, I'm like, hey, this guy can break down football. He knows a lot. He still can give the media grief because, I mean, none of these questions are worth a dang. I mean, these people ask things they know they're not going to get answers to. I mean, I don't think it'd be that hard for me or you, Griff, to come up with five or ten decent questions to ask coach when, uh, <laughs> when – the new Bill Keenis, a couple more for coach. We probably have 20 more for coach. Yeah. And these guys can't, can't – it's their job. They get paid and they can't come up with a question. So, anyway, I busted on the media and our old coaches enough. But, uh, yeah, he's a he's a breath of fresh air. And I still like that he doesn't give away the whole farm. I mean, he, he still does keep things close to the vest, but he's smart enough to be able to talk about things halfway, you know – like a human being and intelligently when he's asked certain questions. So I, I love it. It's my C T V every day when it pops up on my phone.
1: Yeah, that's uh I would agree. <laughs> I totally agree with you on that. So uh let's do this man. Uh let's talk about this big game we have coming up on Sunday. You know, going to a Dallas, you know, Big D. It's America's team. It's one of the NFL's, you know, pride and joys to have around. It's a, the Dallas Cowboys are like the are like the number one son in the family. It's just like, hey, this is my son, the Dallas Cowboys, and this is my other son, the Dallas Cowboys brother, and that's what the Detroit Lions are. So, uh, let's uh, here on the Kool-Aid. Let's break down this game. Um, the biggest thing I have to think about right now is um, is uh, they got they got Zeke Elliott. And the guy the guy's uh, obviously a superstar workhorse. Um. What do you think about this? So you think they can they can shut this guy down like they did New England's running game, or uh, you think uh, Zeke has one of those games like uh, San Francisco's uh, running back, what Breda and like you know Crowell did for the Jets? What do you what are you thinking on this game? Uh, Cowboys are one of your favorite teams, isn't that right, Griscom? You said that in the
0: past. You absolutely love them and think that they get no uh, no help from the refs, isn't
1: that right? Just want yeah, to yeah, they have to they have to overcome a lot, you know, to to get their victories.
0: Yeah. Well, like you said, with your question about um, Zeke, I mean, he is the key piece to this game. I've been so disappointed with Dak Prescott. You know, I had kind of touted him. He's on one of my big fantasy teams as, uh, you know, it's a 32 team league. So you have to take a quarterback and I kind of rolled money that Dak would be better without, you know, Des past his prime and these new young gun receivers and he's got a crazy running game in this old line but that whole team's just been a debacle, but Zeke has not got off yet. And he started to kind of get it rolling last game. So, I mean, I have to admit, I'm pretty nervous that they're not only going to feed him, I'd say a minimum 25. I'm thinking he probably gets 30 t- overall touches, if not more. And he's going to be hard to deal with, man. He's a big guy. He can really move, you know, smooth in different ways. He can catch the ball. I think not only is that the key, but it's going to be the biggest part of the game. And I think he's gonna eat up the Lions, but I don't know that it's gonna it's gonna cause them to lose, but I think he's gonna have a pretty big day.
1: Yeah, I can, I can see that as well. I know I know the Dallas offensive line is a little banged up and it seems like even with uh even with the defenses that are playing against the Cowboys they're they're trying to stack the box to make Dak beat him with with his arm. Still though, I mean Zeke, you know, he's one of those guys that even if there's, you know, eight, nine guys in the box he's still uh he's still a danger to break one, you know, at any, at any moment, um, the way the Lions defense played last weekend, um, they had a little different run front right there. And it sounded like they switched away from what they were doing went a little different against new England. Once again, that's going to be one of those things that they could try it against Dallas. You know, I'm sure Dallas obviously has the tape on it. So they're going to come up with a scheme to try to beat it, especially to get uh, Zeke the ball as much as much as they can. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm worried about him as well. The guys an elite talent, the guys you know, he's he's big, he's strong, he's hard to bring down. And um, you know, they're playing in Dallas, so that that crowd that crowd's going to be behind them. And um Dallas is going to be like, hey, these guys just beat the Patriots and you know, we can't take them lightly. So uh those guys is just uh, you know, uh I am worried about as well. I mean, I think he's going to get his. I mean, i you know, but uh it's I, I'm not seeing, you know, 200 yards, 150, but I mean, I can, you know, I think Zeke's going to break the century mark in this game against the lions. I mean, I hope we don't, but uh, I think he will.
0: One thing I heard somebody say, Grifka, which is kind of interesting was it's one of the guys that I like to listen to or respect his opinion. he said he went back and like on those deep burrito runs and the, the crease by Crowell, you know, not only were the game situations, you know, the Crowell was late in the game, you know, just kind of a busted play, but it didn't really make a difference. And the burrito, yeah, the game was closer, but it was kind of just a missed tackle, a missed run fit, and the way he went. So he said overall he doesn't think the Lions have been that bad as the season has went on in their run fits, but when they've missed, they've missed badly. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing is just keep being fundamentally sound in this game and not giving up those, I, want, I don't even want to say those big openings or gashes, but you know, getting Jared Davis to make consistently make tackles, getting him to just be in his gap where he needs to be, get our defensive linemen where they need to be. I think that's the kind of defense that's going to prove to be winning for them against the Cowboys' run game. Not just not giving up the big gash plays and making him
1: earn every yard. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with you on that. The big thing is going to have to be Davis. You know, uh, how we talked about it. He he needs to make the tackles. I mean, there's a I mean, there's a couple he missed against New England. I think he only had like maybe like four tackles that game. But um, he's going to have to be the guy to key on Zeke to be able to stop him. I mean, Davis is fast. He, he can be the guy to track him down. But it's got to be one of those things where um, he's uh, he's, not, uh, getting, he's not whiffing on a tackle and Zeke's not breaking his tackle. So Davis is going to have to have a big game.
0: Grifka, i got to throw out a stat. I've got pro football focus up right here. Jared Davis for the season. Out of 100, his rating is a 39.4 on pro football focus. Are other linebackers here listed on, like, just their main linebackers? Even Christian Jones is 10 to 15 points higher than Davis, and then Kennard is up in the 70s. Wow. I mean, like, 39 is absolute just trash. So, I mean, I love this guy's speed. I love his attitude, but the play has got to be so much better and I don't need him. He made a few splash plays last game. I will give the splash plays away to get the great leadership and to get the consistent tackling play that I want from this guy. I mean, he's just, I don't want hit or miss. I don't want a big play. And then three missed tackles. I just want a great solid middle inside linebacker that is the team leader. And he's not there yet, man. Unfortunately, love the guy, but well uh it's going to be a big
1: uh moving forward with him so keep an eye on him yeah so i mean if uh if the lions are able to at least you know contain zeke i mean that's obviously going to put more on on dak prescott do you think the lions i mean i know we talked about the last um podcast you know where the lions stand with the pass defense do you think uh they can do the same i mean uh, dak is a little more mobile a little more escapability than uh obviously tom brady um you know, Sam Darnold didn't have a whole lot. They didn't get a lot of pressure on Darnold though, and um and even uh Garoppolo. I mean Garoppolo doesn't you know, he's not known for his wheels either, but uh Dak's a guy. He can uh, he can uh make plays with his feet. Do you think um if you know they contain Zeke, you think um they're gonna be able to stop Dak as well?
0: Uh I I mean here's my thing with Dak Prescott, he's been so terrible that I I'm a big up down theory in the NFL. You know, when you're down, it's the time to, you know, predict he's going to have a good game. When you're playing incredible, you know, you're due for a game that's maybe not so good. People catch up to you, that type of thing. But I think he's due to have a nice game. I, I always like Dak Prescott because of the run and the O line. He's just great in the play action. I mean, he could fake that ball into Zeke Elliott's belly and everybody's biting up, and then he's just throwing easy balls to. Crossing routes, slants, whatever he wanted, you know, the last couple of years. That just hasn't been there, hasn't been there yet. So I really expect Dak to play way better. Um, he can always hurt you with his feet, which is something that the Lions seem to always sort of have trouble with. Are these mobile quarterbacks not only... Extending the play, but a guy that can, you know, run that read option and we we crash down for some reason for like the fifth time when we shouldn't and he just runs out the gate for 15, 20 yards of crack. I mean, I think we'll see a couple of those. But, uh, you know, what I'm hoping from him is he's not known to be a turnover guy, but if he makes a few mistakes, you know, I didn't talk about it in the last podcast, Griff, could remember a couple times ago when I said you win the turnover battle, you win. I mean, I felt like the Lions turned the ball over against the Pats a few times and kind of made enough plays, got their defense off the field to win. And that's really what what makes the difference a lot. So I think you're going to have to create a few turnovers from Dak and make him uncomfortable in the pocket. But I mean, I think he's he's going to
1: be better than he has been, too. I mean, he can't be much worse. Yeah, I would I would agree with you on that. I think the biggest thing with uh, Dak Prescott. Grifco, you
0: can't agree with me on everything. You've agreed with me on everything this show and last show. You gotta you gotta yell at
1: me for some things. Or come on now. Okay, I mean, there's <laughs> there's time coming up, but I mean, I'll have to agree. I mean, okay. I agree with you on this. I think they're gonna have to uh, they're gonna have to get some pressure on him and keep him in there. I think um, you know, kennard has been you know earning his contract, but I I'm, I'm a believer that. Uh, that, that Eli Harold trade that they made with San Francisco, um, I think that it's been a quiet surprise so far. You know the way Eli Harold has played for these guys, so I think he's one of those guys who's quick enough to come off the edge, put some pressure on him. I mean he's obviously not Lawrence Taylor, but still he's a he's a guy that can do a little bit of damage that is is quick enough to uh, track down uh, you know Dak Prescott if he starts to escape the pocket. Now once again I mean uh, Dak Prescott I, I don't think he has like any great wide receivers sorry none of those guys really put the fear of God in me um you know Jason Witten's not there anymore at tight end I and mean, he just doesn't have the offensive weapons on the outside that um that he did when he when he was you know younger when I mean, he's first on the team though I mean they had better wide receivers they had better guys to catch the ball so um I think it's just a matter of you know getting some pressure on him trying to you know get in his face make him throw to those guys that you know you know, aren't like I said. You know, put the fear of God in anybody. But that's one of those things where uh, that uh, Matt Pat's going to have to come up with a scheme for that. You know, trying to keep you know, you know, everybody stay in their defensive lanes. You know, keep Zeke in check, and then still try to get some pressure on Dak and those uh, those passing situations. So, I mean, that's the big thing right there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, uh, we got to
0: contain their offense, but you know. Um, I know we got, uh, we're going to work our way through some other aspects, but also this offense to me, our offense for the lions has to continue to click. You know, it's not going to be all about what Dallas does offensively and what we do defensively. Like we're going to have to, we're gonna be indoors. You know, we're coming off a good game. We're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to sling it around. We're going to have to keep that running game going and and put up points to win this game too. In my opinion, I sent a, I sent a uh, gift to some people the other day and it was, I put, this is Matt Stafford walking into the Jerry Dome and it was uh Conor McGregor doing his Vince McMahon walk with the arms wagon and he was in a white crispy suit. I was like, that's the kind of confidence Stafford has to come into this game with he's playing in front of his home people and he's put up big numbers every four. He just needs to walk in there with a the swagger
1: and put up points in my
0: opinion. Yeah.
1: Um. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, it is a um, Monday night in the, MLB baseball season will be over at that point because, you know, Sunday's last game. You think Clayton Kershaw will be there, you know, since he's from the area as well?
0: I don't know, but uh, I know I'm going to have to edit this podcast, Griff, because you just mentioned baseball on the Detroit Cooley cast. You know that's my rule number one. It's a terrible sport. It doesn't get talked about here on the show. But uh, even if uh, the person you speak of is there, Um, You know, I'm sure he'll be highlighted via the
1: announced team Uh, at some point. Okay, well, uh, okay, we'll get back to the game then. Uh, Like you were (laughs) talking about how the offense needs to to come through, the Cowboys got a pretty good run defense, actually. I think they're right now, they're either like number 10 or 11, you know, which isn't terrible, but I mean, it's not horrendous either. Uh, You think the Lions can uh, carry over what they did, you know, Sunday against the Patriots and, you know, went to Dallas, you know, this Sunday?
0: I, uh... I mean, regards to the run defense, I love what the Cowboys have done drafting these stud linebackers. Like, I thought they took, oh, geez, what's the name? It's escaping me. The guy that was hurt at Notre Dame. What's his last name?
1: Oh, uh, Jalen, Jalen Smith. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, I think so, S- Smith. So,
0: like. I thought they took him way too early in that draft, but like he was one of my top players and I felt like you could get him at a good value, which I was thinking he was going to be late third, you know, early fourth type around. They took him high second, but to me, I mean, he's a dynamic player. Now he's healthy. He's out there doing some things. Uh, You know, Lee can never stay on the field. And I think he's going to be out again. Sean Lee is going to be out again, which really helped the Lions. But, you know, I like Vander Esch. I want to say they have, another guy there too that's uh, solid in the middle. So I think if you can get a good linebacking core, sometimes that's just as good or better than, you know, how like may you always got to, everybody thinks you always got to get past rush, but he was getting like interior rushers where sometimes I like to have two nasty outside backers and a guy in the middle and then some of these edge pressure guys. So I think the Cowboys have good, good stuff there. Um, you know, Taco seems to be improving, you know, as a rush player and, uh, Demarcus Lawrence is just crazy rush guy. I mean, how is he off in the run game? Is Demarcus Lawrence very good in the run game, Griff? I really don't know.
1: Yeah, he's decent. I mean, he's he's known more for his pass rush ability, but uh, he's not um, he's he's not a bad run defender. He sets the edge pretty well, but uh, you know, yeah. he's, he's definitely and they've got a, they got they got some tackles. So. Yeah, they got
0: some DTs and stuff that are pretty good. So, I mean, I think the Cowboys D gets overrated
1: a little bit. The Cowboys? Yeah, that's what I thought too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was te- I was teeing you up
0: for that one But no, I seriously do Like, I've been hearing people go, oh, the Cowboys I think it was uh, Oh, geez, the name's going to escape me Will Kane, uh, he's got this new show on ESPN Which I always laugh when he's been on First Take and him and Stephen A go at it But I was listening to his own show And I guess he's a big Cowboys honk And he was like, oh, the Cowboys defense Is going to be incredible I think he predicted predict the Cowboys to like, either go deep in the playoffs Or make the Super Bowl And everybody was laughing at him He was like, oh, this defense And I was like what defense? Like, you know, haven't they drafted corners and safeties that haven't really panned out? They skipped, you know, players like Jalen Reeves-Maybin. They haven't traded for Earl Thomas. I mean, other than their linebackers and a couple edge rushers, I don't really know what they have that scares me. So, I think the Lions again will spread them out, throw it around. You know, they'll be able to mix in some run game as long as they stay away from, you know, some of these guys that are playmakers. But I, I don't know that we'll have too much trouble moving it and putting up
1: points. Yeah. I think, you know, once again, it's going to have to be the attitude with the offensive line, you know, just, uh, doing the job, creating those holes, you know, Rag. now, you know, I know we talked about him last podcast, having a big game, TJ Lang, you know, him back and at least sort of pseudo healthy, you know, he had a good game as well, you know, being able to open up those runs up the middle, not having to try to get to the outside. Cause I don't know if, uh, the Lions are going to be able to do that as well this week, because like you said, uh, the Cowboys have some fast outside linebackers. So where they were able to get to the edge against the Patriots, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against the Cowboys. So they might have to focus more, you know, trying to, you know, between the tackles you know up the middle that way especially if you know sean lee's unable to play because i think i read that recently as well that it looks like he's doubtful for sunday and that's so i mean that's a big help you know i'm not one of those guys you know we talk about this before it's just like oh we want to beat you guys at your best i don't care who's out there as long as you get the w i mean you know I'm i'm sorry one of your best players is hurt you know but you know as long as we get the w i don't care who we're taking on so um i i yeah exactly so.
0: you you rag on uh Ziggy Grifka, but Sean Lee is doubtful for life i mean his he's he's uh like questionable when he gets out of bed, you know even in the off season i mean this guy is he's pretty productive but he's never out there consistently, so i mean if he's out, he is a dynamic player though, so I'm gonna be super happy if he's not playing and uh that can make a big difference i mean uh I don't even know who they have back on their their safeties anymore. I mean, I think they moved that one safety over to corner. So yeah. I think that, you know, watch out for some deep balls, I hope.
1: Well, I mean, with that being said with deep balls, I mean, uh, I know we had talked about, you know, Kenny G last podcast. Do you think think he can put another big week up or do you think this may be the week where defenses, you know, uh, start to kind of key on him, you know, to, you know, kind of shut him down and maybe leave, you know, Golden Tater or Marvin Jones open? What, what do you think about that? I think it's another – Big game, big opportunity for him. I mean,
0: again, no one really scares me. I think that, you know, it depends on who he gets matched up on. Like, if he's the third wideout out out there, I mean, what are they going to do? Like, even as athletic as their linebackers are, they're not going to be able to hang with him. I mean, he's too fast, and he's even taller than – you know, most of those get Van Der Esch, which Bandresh is tall, but he doesn't have the athleticism or the ability to cover. I don't think to deal with Kenny, they put a, a slot corner in there. I mean, don't the the Cowboys though? They do have a couple guys. Remember, I wanted a Wozier in the uh, draft. They have him still. They have uh, our guy from Michigan out on the out on the corners. And uh, yeah. who's the Jordan? Who's Lewis that one guy got no that... from Michigan? Jordan Lewis, yep. And then they have the one guy that broke all the combine records, did all the freaky jumps and running. Uh, Gosh, I'm doing terrible with names today for some reason. But, again, I don't have my Cowboys uh, program guide out. But their other guy is kind of a freaky athlete, but he's not known to be a lockdown type of guy. So I don't think any of those corners, you know, are going to – or them as a group will be able to deal with uh, the way we move Kenny around, the way that we – you know, they're gonna have to be on the other two top guys and he's gonna get good matchups again. That's why that's the main reason I touted him this year. Like I was touting him and everybody's kinda like, ah, oh, he hasn't really done anything or you know, well he didn't go to big school and this, the main reason I touted him is because he was gonna get matched up against corner. He's gonna be in the slot where nobody can deal with him. And then the red zone, which we haven't even seen yet, nobody can cover him there. You could just throw it up, you can run all types of routes to him, so His situation and his skill set, I just think fits up perfectly for what this team has that other teams just they don't have the personnel to deal with a third guy like him that's tall, big, athletic and can kind of go inside outside all day. Yeah, that's a... Such I, such a breath of fresh air. Like, haven't you loved seeing 19 making all these plays rather than 85 making his five-yard catch to the outside where he hurdles a man and gets four and a half yards? I mean, it's been great. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think I think with him being, you know, coming into his own, you know, like we talked about the breakout, it just opens up more, more area for Golden Tate and, you know, gives Marvin Jones more of a one-on-one to make plays. So, I mean, it's it's so nice. It's like, OK, we got this third guy out here that, uh, you know, can catch passes as well. Who's who's a, who's a threat, not just another body out there on the outside. So, you know, him hopefully continues with this play, even with uh, him getting a lot of tape that defenses are going to be able to maybe scheme to try to stop him a little more. But uh, it's it just has to open up, you know, spots for the other guys you know, Tate, Marvin Jones, Theo Riddick coming, you know, opening up even running lanes for blunt and Johnson. So, um, yeah, it's like you said, it's a breath of fresh air to have like that third guy out there that we, uh, that we know can make plays as well. It's like when you throw him the ball, you're not like, you know, like, no, why? Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Caught it. You know? So, uh, (laughs) you know, and I, and
0: I, when I say he's going to have another good game, like I think good games for Kenny moving forward
1: are still 50, 60 yards,
0: you know, um, moving chains, you know, continuing to be a threat, if not an end zone guy that scores touchdowns or like, I like it when they just stretch it to him sometimes, like uh, even on, an overthrow or a, a pass interference, where he just he just runs at the seam, nobody can deal with him, and we get a flag or something. Like, I think those are going to be good games for Kenny. I don't see him getting too many games this year. Maybe a, a you know a handful or less that are the hundred yard and a touchdown or two type. But I think you'll just see a lot of fifty, sixty yards and a lot of chain moving, good football plays that help
1: us our offense move the ball. So when I say good, that's kind of what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, like you know four, five, six catches, you know. You know, 45, 50, 60 yards, something like that. You know, that, that's good out of the number three wide receiver. You know, I like those numbers as but well. But he's going to have
0: blow-up games. I mean, because of his athleticism and size, he's going to have – I bet you he has a 150-yard game this year. I bet you he has a game where he has two two touchdowns, a few game, not a few, huh. maybe two games where he has uh, multiple touchdowns. And uh, you know, if he ends the year with – with, you know, 8-9 TDs and, you know, in that 750,000 range, I mean, that would be excellent. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, uh, kind of broke down the offense and defense. Uh, I know this is a big game on Sunday. It's, uh, the, the you know, the last game of the first quarter if you break, uh, break the season into quarters. Uh, what's your prediction for this game, Oak?
0: Griff, when I look at this one, I mean, we have we've kind of given the people a, a good preview. I mean, if I got to put a prediction on it, you know, just because of the flow of the season and what I'm both hoping for and thinking they can do, this is a game, it's a road game, but it's not a place that scares me. I mean, they pack almost 100,000 people into the Jerry Dome, but it's not, to me, a place that's, Hard to go in and play. Matt Stafford's been there. I mean, again, I joke. We seem to like play them at Jerry Dome every year for the last four or five years. We go down there all the time. So he's used to it. It's indoors. Anytime I see the Lions indoors, I think, hey, we're going to be able to run it. We're going to be able to throw it. We're going to be able to defend with some good footing, good uh, good conditions out there. So I think this is a game where we go down, we play another good, solid game offensively. We deal with Zeke getting his yards and his touches, but we don't let Dak Prescott throw any deep balls or beat us, you know, up over the top or with anything dynamic. And I think this is like a a 28, 21 ball game, Lions.
1: Well, another high-scoring game. Um, what to be? It sounds odd, but what I really like about this game is that it's a one o'clock Sunday start. And uh reason for that, it's not the uh, it's not the primetime game. It's not the game of the week, 4 o'clock start, you know, on Sunday, you know, where you have Troy Aikman and Joe Buck calling it. It's, you know, it's, it's not that primetime game with America watching that it seems like, you know, flags go a certain way when that happens. It is just, it's just a 1 o'clock start. <laughs> oh, yes. Just, just, just a 1 o'clock start, you know, in Dallas. So it's not like that huge time difference, you know, it's only... You know, your body clock's not going to be that far off. Like you said, uh, like you said, I, I, I think Zeke, like we had talked, I think Zeke's going to get his. I mean, I think he's going to break the century mark on this. Um, and uh, and I, I think the line, the offensive line for the Lions really came together last game. I, I think uh, the Cowboys do have a little better run defense. But uh, I, like we were talking about, I, I, their defensive backfield doesn't really scare me that much. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, when Stafford goes back to pass, they have to keep, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence off him. So, uh, like I said, with this, I mean, uh, drinking the Kool-Aid on this one, maybe once again, you know, really high again after seeing the the last game, you know, where, where we reached the top of the mountain again, you know, hey, we can only keep going up. Um, this right here I think is going to have to be one of those games where, uh, you know, Stafford comes back in the fourth quarter. Um, I'm going to predict this game going to be like a uh, – I'm gonna say like 24-21 game, 24-20 game, uh, Detroit. That's uh, so that's where I'm gonna go for this game. It's gonna be a nail biter, and they're gonna need Stafford to pull out some magic there in the end. <laughs>
0: Nice. You had me worried there, Grifka. I thought you were going to let the people down and go back to the uh, negative analyst, Mike Grifka, who uh, knows he wants the Lions to win, but it overthinks it. On the Kool-Aid cast, when when in doubt, we have to skew towards uh, skew towards our team and try to get this momentum, keep it going. So yeah. I was glad you uh, went with the victory. Hopefully, we can get it going, getting this victory and going two and two would really be big. And then, uh, you know, depending on what happens with Aaron Rodgers, if he even makes it to the next game, I mean. Uh, you know we could really get some mo there with them in our house. So we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but this is another game puts more momentum. Two victories in a row, stacking victories is always nice and a road
1: win would be great.
0: So there's lots to be had with this ball game.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like me and you talk the games like when we pick our seasons when we expect wins and like we we pick the jets to win. So to get to the record where they where they got to be, they have to win one of those games where we thought they would lose it. And to be honest with you, that New England game was one of those games where we thought they'd lose it and they got the W. So this you know, they have to do that at some point to make up for those Ws somewhere. So uh this could be one of those games where I know we were kinda of talking about it and we were him and Han going back and forth and I think we ultimately picked them to win it when we were doing our season. So this has to be you know they have to come up with a big W on this, so but,
0: Yep, drink drinking in, Griffka, drinking in.
1: Yeah, so uh Let's touch base on a couple other things while we're here. While we're talking about Dallas, uh, I know, uh, I, I believe you saw this. I know I have, uh, what do you think about Jerry Jones? He uh, he thinks the game would be safer, actually, if they went to an 18-game regular season and dropped the preseason down to two games as opposed to four. Uh, what do you think about that?
0: I love this, Grifka. I, overall, I, I kind of like Jerry Jones and I'm humored by the guy, but I think this is one of his better takes because the NFL preseason is the absolute worst thing in sports. You have got to get rid of two of these preseason games. I don't care what you do. If you let teams scrimmage more against each other, if you figure out some way to get your practice reps in, but these preseason games have got to go. Adding two more games is billions of dollars in regards to TV money, in regards to – Um, popularity, the NFL, all types of things. And yeah, we'll give the players a big chunk if they're willing to do 18. But I don't think if you gave them a huge chunk of money and you restructured a few things so that it was pretty much the same workload, but it was just two more meaningful games, I think it's a great idea. I thought it's a great idea for years. I don't know why it won't take off other than health and safety and the players don't want to do it unless they get a whole boatload of money, which, you know, like you say, if your, if your job asks you to take on, you know, a ton more tasks, a lot of time the answer is sure, no problem. Just, just compensate me for it. Right. And I think that's all the players are saying is, um, you know, compensate us properly And then the health and safety is an issue. But other than that, I mean, it's tremendous. Play 18. Uh, You know, don't play more than that and water it down. But, yeah, 18 is a great number. And, uh, you know, I'd love to see maybe – I was going to say more teams in the playoffs too, but they've added a few a while, so I think we're good there. But more football, the better. More meaningful football, the better. And get rid of this BS four games where nobody plays. It's a total waste of time except for player evaluation. But you can do that other ways.
1: Yeah. i I think the preseason is a waste also. I mean, I know like we talked about how we always get hyped to watch the preseason games. Then we start watching them. We realize, yeah, this is why preseason games suck. Um, if they were to go to an 18 regular game, you know, 18 game, regular season, I think one thing they would have to definitely do is they would have to increase the roster sizes. Um, you know, more so than just, you know, guys on practice squad. And once again, that leads to, you know, having to, like you said, pay more money and, uh, we all know, you know, anything of, if you know anything about wealthy people, they didn't get rich by writing a lot of checks. So uh, um, that's one of those things. I mean, yeah, in, in theory, it's nice to it's nice to say that, but it's going to be one of those things where the, you know, you know, yeah, we'll play 18 games if you pay us X amount more dollars. And then they got, you know, I think the owners would just push back on it. You know, like I said, I think you would need that. I think you would definitely need larger rosters, even though you'd probably still be playing the same, the same handful of guys, you know, the same. Your starters are going to be out there most of the time because you can only rotate so many certain positions. But, um,
0: let, let, let me break in for a second. So, sure. what is your take on why? So, a college roster, you know, is like 90 some, I want to say, and the NFL is half of that basically. Like, I know they're different setups, but why the heck can't we have, you know, 65 and like 70 players? I mean, the NFL is so crazy with injuries. I don't know why another five or ten guys on a roster wouldn't help the overall game. I mean, the way you have to only keep two quarterbacks. I'm so shocked we don't get more games where, like, a quarterback or two goes out and you're playing with, like, your receiver back there or, like, you know, they only dress. I remember the Patriots against us. They dress three receivers. I mean, one of those guys goes down. Good luck getting through that game, barely. So I don't know why they can't suit up more bodies. Do you have a take on that of why it's set up the way it is?
1: money that's pretty much it money and i just don't want to pay more people to be on the active roster yeah i i mean they don't pay the guys now for the preseason games i mean that's those guys work during the preseason they don't, they don't get they don't get paid you know so okay. that's i mean that's the big thing i mean i i know you don't remember i barely remember you know when there were six preseason games i know we've all seen probably seen the movie what you know movie with about the Philadelphia Eagles, you know Vince Papali, where they're playing the six preseason games. You imagine, I mean, we complain about four sitting, you know, as fans sitting having to watch it. Could you imagine, you know, having to sit there and wait for six preseason games? I mean, to be finished. I mean, and yeah, the guys, you know, they don't they don't pay the guys at that point, so they're getting to look Heard at on. ninety guys on, on on the team, and they're not paying they're not paying any of them. You know, those guys aren't Heard getting paid. So, yeah, I think money has a lot to do with it, and um. You know, the, yeah, I think that, that's the that must be thing.
0: it because there's no real like on the field reason, especially if you're wanting to do player safety. Well, a good way to do player safety is have more guys so that you can spread it around more. You can, you know, if an injury happens, it doesn't debilitate a team. You know, keep people fresh. But 53 always seems super. You know, eleven on eleven, you're already almost halfway through your roster, and you got to have more than one or two backups at a lot of positions. So, anyway, like say, I don't want to belabor the point, but uh, you know, I always thought the rosters could be a, a bit bigger than they are. But you're right; it, it all well, comes yeah, down I mean, to hey, another five roster spots is a you know x amount of million bucks. You know, when you total it all out, which yeah. again, the NFL, it shouldn't matter the printing money, but it is what it is.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean. Talking about, you know, player safety, you know, that's one of the reasons why they always say about, you know, the 18 game, you know, player safety. But what do you think, you know, with like all these roughing the passer calls? I mean, it seems like the last couple of weeks, you know, it seems like there's been some that, you know, I know I've left, you know, been scratching my head when I've seen it. And don't get me wrong. I think Clay Matthews has gotten away with a lot lately, you know, in the past, you know, however many years he's played, you know, he plays for the Packers and the Packers can do no wrong. But some of those roughing the passer calls that he's got it was just like, come on, man, I've got hit worse than that playing backyard football with my buddies and I've stood up. But uh, I mean, you think you think maybe they're starting to protect these quarterbacks just a little bit too much.
0: Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. Cause I was going to preface my answer when I knew you were heading with this question about uh, how my absolute hatred for Fabio over there in green Bay. And just, he's been such a clown his whole career. And now he's getting these calls and he just doesn't understand it. But as much as I dislike uh, Clay Matthews over there in Green Bay, like these calls are absolutely out of hand in regards to protecting the quarterback, in regards to not landing on them. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, you know, I do not want the NFL to turn on to elite 11 where we're out there with flags and no offensive linemen, no hitting. I mean, there has to be a physicality in football. And like, every time I saw him, all he's doing is hitting the guy in the chest, excuse me and letting his like momentum go to the ground as it normally would. I mean, there's just things you can't do. It's just, it's laughable every time these flags come out. I mean, when they help the lions, I'll probably love it when they don't, I'm going to blow a gasket here on the podcast when it ends up costing us a game at some point during this year, if they keep up what they're doing with these flags. But uh, I mean, it's just crazy. the only thing I don't like is what was it? It wasn't the lions game. Oh, it was the game last night, Monday night football. It's two nights ago now. I swear that Monday night crew had to talk about the the quarterback hit driving him to the ground rule. I counted at least seven, five or seven times that they not only brought up the topic, but Jason Witten just kept talking about it, kept talking about it. You know, they were showing plays. They would talk, you know, a time in the game would go by, and then they'd talk about it again. I mean – Okay, we get it. Like it's a bad rule. It's being official officiated bad, but there's not too much you can do about it. And I know like Patricia and people are always like, "Hey, you got to coach it better and you got to learn to adapt." I mean, that's probably the the mantra, adapt or perish, right? But um I mean, it's it's not good. It needs to be fixed. The NFL needs to have physicality. It's going to lose fans and it's just going to become a joke of a league, but hey, you know the quarterbacks are the most important position, the most highly paid. So I could see why you protect them. But there's got to be a there's got to be a line in the sand or a point that you just say, hey, you're
1: going to get hit, you're going to get
0: knocked down, you got to deal with it. And yeah. That's if you don't what want to do with this rule,
1: yeah. If you don't want to get hit, <clears throat> go play wide receiver. You know, I mean, you know, yeah. You, you, you want to do something else? You know, go play offensive line. You know, go play whatever. But I mean, I don't think Clay Matthews has nobody but the blame but his own quarterback. I mean, that guy, would, Aaron Rodgers cries about, you know, getting breathed on. He gets cried about getting looked at. I mean, it's just, you know, he's he's been whining about getting hit too much. You know, like you said, premier position, premier team. You know, it's one of those darling teams of the NFL. You know, they're going to listen to him. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you got nobody to blame but yourself. Sorry. Go cry about somebody yeah. else. So uh, yeah,
0: I I agree with that, man. Hopefully it'll clean it up, but man, we've been lucky. It has not bitten the lions yet. Knock on wood somewhere because you know, it's going to creep up one of these games and we're going to have to really deal with it then. But so far we've been clean and it's only hurt all the other teams, especially green Bay and whatnot. So keep that up.
1: Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I agree with you on that. So, uh, Let's, uh, let's move S-C on here a couple again. Of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. No, I agree with you. I mean, I, you, 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 but you know when it creeps up, it's going to creep up against Green Bay, and it's going to be, you know, like – Dallas, it's gonna Pittsburgh. Be, oh, oh, what is it? It's going to be, you know, somebody like – I don't know. Uh, you know, Kennard's going to, like, you know, accidentally, you know, hit uh, Aaron Rodgers in the shoulder, and he'll, like, drop to the ground like he just got shot, and, like, the, oh, the flag will come in, and then he'll throw some Hail Mary because, you know – Nobody thought they were going to throw Hail Mary on the next play, and they'll put Ziggy Ons off, you know, 15 yards down the field, to guard the out pattern or something like that, you know? Remember,
0: the, that was – Jim Cole was expecting that back-and-forth kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the worst coaching – not only decisions, but worst, like, ex- explanations. Yeah, but – I was expecting that back-and-forth kind of thing. Th- what? I would have just fired him right there. You,
1: they should have – you just said just check the tape. I have to check the tape.
0: Sure. oh boy let's move on to happier topics from yeah. that because that was that was a brutal one yeah, so, no yes yeah, so you're
1: so you're some happier topics right here i know earlier uh you know we always kind of like you know give our fans a little bit of like insight to like uh how we feel about certain subjects you know just some quick hitters here or there and give you a couple options and you know which one you like better and why so uh got a few of these here for you Derek. i uh, just wondering how you feel on a couple things once again you know i'll give you a couple options you pick which one you like and then just just a brief synopsis of of why you like you know that particular uh that particular one so uh let's start yeah, with this away. one start with this one uh which one do you prefer do you prefer the thursday night football or watching monday night football
0: well before i answer griff i want to say
1: i already like these questions
0: because they are still somewhat mostly football-related on this one because, again, the people don't want to hear about our takes on our lives or how our day went, but um, the football and some some fun here or there is great. So um, Thursday or Monday, I mean, you know, back in the day when I was younger, Grifka, it was always giving me the Monday night football. I remember I used to, when I was really young, I had a set of chores on the, on the fridge that I could do, and for every chore I did, I got X amount of time that I could stay up later, and that was always to watch uh, watch Monday Night Football way back in the day. So, um, you know, that was always my game. I, I'd probably still lean that way, as much as I just cracked on the Monday Night Crew. I kind of do like their new unique setup. It's outside the box with the guy on the booger on the uh, platform and and some different things they're doing. So, Monday Night Football for me.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you on that. And I still, even Monday, I think of, you know, football, I think about the old, the old music, you know, the, dun, 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 dun. I love that, man. It still gives me up. That's Monday Night Football to me right there. Same thing. And they uh, brought it back, which was big. Like, remember, it was gone for forever and they brought back the kind yeah. of music and they remixed it, which is great. Yeah, so still, it's still, uh, it seemed like Thursday Night you know, Football to me, yeah, it's nice to have, but I don't know. If, You know, pro football to me is not until Sunday, Sunday, Monday. So maybe that's just me, you know, remember it as a kid. So, um, what we Thursday, Thursday on a Fox, though, and that could be kind of cool because they've never been on a like a Fox big network. So I'm looking forward to that, uh, coming up this week. Um, so, uh, next question What would you rather watch? Would you rather watch a highly offensive game or a highly defensive game? Oh, man,
0: the people, the Kool Aid drinkers out there that have been listening probably know my answer already, but, uh, You know, I know I've said a couple times Detroit would love a great defense and a great O-line, but me personally, I mean, I'm all about the top players, the top stars, Odell, and and a whole bunch of other big, talented players out there making ridiculous plays. So give me a big shootout any day of the week and points going up on the board.
1: Gosh, I don't know. I, I I don't know, man. I kinda really like watching a highly defensive game, you know, something that's like one of those nail biters. It's like, can this team, you know, move the ball down the field? And I I'm not talking in an app game where it's always just like three and out, three and out, three and out, you know, something like that where the combined yardage at halftime is, you know, seventy five yards or something like that. But something where, you know, there's some quarterback pressures, sacks, you know, a couple turnovers here and there, you know, guys making great defensive plays, you know, you know, great open field tackles, things like that you know and the the final score ends up being you know like a 17 14 or 14 10 you know something like that you know with two good defenses just you know going out there just you know just punching each other you know in the face and you know more so than you know you know scores that go like you know 38 32 it's just like gosh just you know go down score your touchdown give us the ball back you know you know things like that you know i those highly defensive games though man i i really like watching those things
0: my favorite part yeah. of that answer,
1: Griff, is that you don't agree with me. So that was great. Okay. Um, next question: uh, with uh, with Eric Ebron having such a good year in Indianapolis, obviously he's got a couple <laughs> touchdowns and like a total like, boy? six catches. Yeah, yeah. I I miss him already. Um, I'm sure you do. back to that draft and the guys that just got a couple big contracts, who would you rather have on the lines right now? Would you rather have your homeboy Odell or Aaron Donald? Both guys, oh, man. Drafted, both guys drafted after Eric Ebron. So.
0: Yeah, this is a tremendous question, Grifka. Uh, you know, the people, everybody thinks they know where I'm going, but I'm actually going to go with uh, Aaron
1: Donald on this one because... What? Wait, wait what? Yeah, yeah. I-, I am surprised, to be honest with you. I, I, I am one of the people that thought you would totally pick Odell.
0: Oh, I'm sure you did. I'm trying to be honest on this one because... We've we mentioned it in previous shows, but on that draft, I'll never forget it. The day of the draft, buzz came out that the Lions, Mark May, you loved Odell Beckham Jr. And back then, I was not as in depth in the draft. I had never watched Odell at at LSU. I didn't have him as highly rated on my board, and uh, was not my boy coming out. Now, since he's been in the league, he's been dynamic. But I was touting that draft. I had watched a little bit. And, and done some pre-draft work on Aaron Donald. I loved what he brought, his physicality, his, even though he's undersized. I knew he was a beast. I knew you could probably play him inside or even kick him out and make him, here's one for you, Grifka, a Reggie White type defensive end, that big defensive end that can get up the field and is super athletic. And uh, that's the guy I wanted. So I got to go with Aaron Donald, basically with our team construction and just being honest with who I wanted back in the day. Um, even with
1: all the great things Odell's done so far. Um, yeah, I don't even think that people have to ask who I'd rather have on this one. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm no. not, you know, Aaron Donald, hands down. Next question. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, something a little on the lighter side here. Uh, what do you like as a side dish, mac and cheese or mashed potatoes?
0: Oh, man. That's another good one. Before I answer that, I just want to throw out, Grifka, there's a few Kool Aid drinkers that have contacted me that are on to you about your. your Hatred for Odell that they know you you secretly are a huge Odell fan. You just don't want. Yeah. Well, I yeah, just want to throw the, that. The, there the, before those those Kool Aid
1: drinkers really don't know because no, I don't like Odell. <laughs> he's overrated. Yeah, but, yeah. And he's got one catch.
0: <laughs> more more cover up and I mean I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but that that one oh, catch you, I thought I debunked you're, that you're many in shows stats. ago.
1: You in and anyway let.
0: Let me get to this other question. The mac and cheese or the uh, mashed mashed potatoes? potatoes? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Man, this is a tough call, Griff. I do like both. I mean, um, mac and cheese is legit, all types of different ways. But I am a sucker for, like, a good chicken breast or a good steak with a good old thing of mashed potatoes. And then I know this isn't part of the question, but one thing I've loved, which – it should be just a Thanksgiving only, but I'm, I'm making stuffing all year round, Griff. Cause so stuffing with a little bit of mashed potatoes and a good piece of meat is like one of my go-to meals. And I want to like, just eat like a, a King. So I'm going to go with the mashed potatoes, uh, with a
1: bonus, but just a good mashed potatoes with some, uh, butter. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I mean. I, I love mashed potatoes too, especially like when they're, when you get those little bit of like potato in there. It's not completely whipped, you know, where it's all, you know, it's it's like completely just mush. You get you get a you you have a little bit of mashed potatoes. There's still like little bits of potato in there that aren't completely crushed up. But I gotta go with mac yeah. and cheese, man. I love mac and cheese. I've loved mac and cheese since I was a kid. My kids eat it. <laughs> oh my gosh, like mac and cheese. I mean, you can get. Oh, got craft mac and cheese, man. Easy mac. I'm, I'm eating that, man. I love mac and cheese. Mac and cheese is like the greatest side dish ever invented. Hands down.
0: If you can have
1: one mac and cheese,
0: what is it? Because there's so many kinds, types, flavors. What do you go with? What's the go-to?
1: My wife makes a pretty good homemade mac and cheese with a roux and the cheese, and puts it in the puts it in the oven and lets it bake. That way, almost kind of like a casserole type thing. Oh, that's that's the way I love it that way. But if we're talking, like, a side dish from, like, a restaurant, I, lo- I like the KFC mac and cheese myself. I mean, that's that's just me. Oh,
0: no, that's a terrible mac and cheese. I, I used to always go with the KFC mac when they'd ask you for the sides. I debunked it. I hate that mac and cheese. But my go-to is, like... I hate that you have to have milk to make the craft. Where it gives you know, the powder cheese. Like I never have milk, and I never want to deal with that. But my go-to is the Velveeta shells, boy. Oh. The Velveeta, where you get the the pouch that is just filled with the Velveeta melty. Oh man, you yeah, get better than that.
1: Yeah, that's 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 that's, that's like the Cadillac of, of magic yeah, cheese is. from the store. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. uh, last question here. Now that we have your side dish, and you know this is the Detroit Kool Aid. What Kool-Aid do you prefer? Grape or cherry? Oh,
0: neither, of course. I'm going with the I'm going with the Honolulu <laughs> Blue Super Bowl flavor, son. The one we had at the tailgate, the one that looks like it matches my crispy Matt Stafford game authentic Nike jersey, man. The the Detroit Kool-Aid Blue, son. Okay. Okay. All day every day. Now here's the only thing if you ever look at the Kool-Aid packets at the store, for some reason if you want to get the blue Lions Kool-Aid it actually comes in like a red barrel or a red. If you look at the packet, the packet is actually like got a red thing on it, but when you read it, it says blue lemon, uh raspberry or something. Yeah. So, it definitely can fool you if you're just going visual, but everybody out there, if you haven't already, you go to the store, you you load up on the blue lions Kool-Aid all football season long. It's the only way to go. I mean, there's no doubt. There's no raspberry, no cherry, griffiths.
1: It's it's the Honolulu blue.
0: Okay. Super Bowl flavor. Okay.
1: Grape. Hands down. Best Kool-Aid ever. Oh. Grape Kool-Aid. Hands down.
0: Okay. Purple drink. Uh,
1: hey man. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Work for Jamarcus Russell. Okay. Um uh, anyway, I so I, that's you. all that's all the quick Hold hitters. It. That's all the quick hitters I got, man. <laughs>
0: Grifka, when are we when are we busting out the like legit licensed Detroit
1: Kool Aid for the people that they can pick up at their local market? Uh, never. Uh, yeah, probably never. Cause uh, <laughs> I, we we don't. I mean, I don't have the money to go fight Pro- Procter and Gamble for the copyright of that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we we have to call it like <laughs> uh, Detroit I, I, Drank or yeah, yeah drink with, with, with like two A's or something like that. <laughs>
0: lions Liquid.
1: <laughs> oh, that just okay. That just sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, sold separately it, from the lions. We won't do it, man. but. It, it,
0: the people to uh to drink it in or like there is nothing better than maybe having a uh, a lion's-esque blue kool-aid uh, for a good sunday when
1: you're heading into football yeah. so we we encourage the people to do it up yeah so uh that's all i got for uh this uh this uh podcast uh, you got anything else Derek?
0: Uh, I think we're good, man. Griffin. I mean, to me, let's just end it with, uh, this is going to be a huge game against Cowboys. This is one we don't want to be talking to the people next week saying, Oh man, it came out flat, didn't play good, you know, lost this game. So we just want everybody to be positive heading into this game, drink the Kool-Aid, um, you know, check us out on iTunes. Again, we're trying to keep spreading this, keep growing the numbers. So I just encourage everybody to do that. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be another great game. I'm so glad it's 1 o'clock, too. Like, 1 o'clock Sunday is when the Lions should play. Sorry, I'm losing my uh, my breath here. But the Lions should play at 1 o'clock on Sunday, just like Michigan football should start at 12 noon on Sundays. It's perfect, and I'm
1: really looking forward to it. So uh, let's get it, Grishko. Let's get a W. Yeah, it's going to be a big W this, uh, this week in Dallas.
0: Absolutely. So everybody, we'll catch you later. Have a uh, great week, great Sunday. And keep an eye out because there may be a bonus episode this weekend. Not sure about that, but there could be. So keep a lookout on your favorite podcast app. And, uh, yeah, drink it in. Detroit Kool-Aid. We're out. Everybody have a great week. Take care. This Sunday, I'm going to give you what you crave, what everybody here craves. Drink it in, man.